You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sharpen your pencils and get your notebooks out. It's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Phantom. Welcome once again, faithful students of Advanced Cowboys Footballogy, to another edition of the Star Seminar, your team-taught course, led by none other than the eminent Cowboysologist, Dr. Danny Phantom, and yours truly, Dr. Rabble Rouser. Oh, good doctor. How are you these days? You know, I'm, I'm terrible, Rabs. It's just been a terrible week. I don't feel like I've had one good day uh, all week. Um, even today, this morning, I was driving to work, and I got behind. I was in traffic. I got behind a slow car, and this car was, in my opinion, was going much slower than they should have been, and I... I don't think I was impatient, but I decided to go around them. And when I did, I looked over. And sometimes when it's like an elderly person, I have a completely, for some reason, they get a free pass. I have like complete compassion for some. Mm-hmm. You know, I know my mom's on the road and whatever. So I look over and I was, I just did my typical like disappointed head shake with, you know, as I'm passing. And this person, this jack wagon gives me the bird. And, you know, I haven't gotten the bird in a while. So I was like, are you kidding me? Really? So anyway, I went past him and stuff, and I started to think for a second, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm the jack wagon. I don't know which one, some one of us is wrong. But then I proceeded to watch three other cars pass that person right afterwards. So the guy was going too slow. I mean, that's, that was the, that was the verdict on that one. I felt like almost kind of like a real life mic drop moment. You know, it's like both of us kind of thinking the other person's the jerk. And it's like, I think, I think it's pretty clear now who the jerk was. So anyway, that's kind of just a, you know, a microcosm of my week. But I want to ask you, did, have you ever like had some type of real life mic drop moment? You know, it's funny that you asked that. I'm going to take you back quite a way. So uh, when I was young, um, which is, as you know, was many, many years ago, uh, I used to work uh, in a grocery store and I worked in the produce department. And the thing about produce, as you, as you may know, is that when it's in season, uh, it's actually when it's Oftentimes, um, especially like in the summertime, like if peaches are at peak of season, they don't come in ripe because they they have to be picked early so they can ripen on the shelf, mm-hmm. right? If you they, they you can't transport those soft fruits right. while they're while they're ripe. You have to wait. You have to pick them, and you hopefully pick them not when they're green, but just after they're done being green, then you can get them to the store in, in one piece. So that's even. Um, that, so when when they're at peak of season, they don't ripen on the shelf because they fly off the shelf before they can ripen. So one time here are here we are, big sale on peaches, middle of the summer. Lady comes in, 
She's looking at the peaches and she goes, where's the ripe peaches? And I explained to her what I just explained to you. There aren't any ripe peaches because in peak of season, they ripen on the shelf and, and there's no time. And she said, and she says to me, what? what? She's all exasperated. Well, I have a bunch of friends coming over and I, I have to make a peach pie. What am I supposed to do? And I looked her dead in the eye and I said, plan ahead. <laughs> Needless to say, she didn't appreciate that, and uh, my store manager came over a little while later to let to let me know that she had lodged a complaint. But I was very happy with my response because the the, the re she didn't say anything in return. She was just sat there dumbfounded because I was one hundred percent right. That was great advice. I don't understand. You should have been commended. Um, but that's 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 funny. You know, it's so weird. I, you know, I don't know if you've told me that you worked in a grocery store, but it's it's just. You know how similar our lives are, Rabs. I mean, you could you could almost like fill up a sheet with stuff. But no, that's that's a great story. I'm glad. Great answer. Um, very well played. Well, we've got lots of great questions and lots of great answers. Uh, unfortunately, I think that uh, the Cowboys' performance last last Sunday night raised more questions than it provided answers. Uh, or if it did provide answers, they were probably not the answers we wanted. Um, so we're going to definitely uh, talk about that, and then we'll look ahead and and uh, to their next opponent. Uh, Monday Night Football, they're playing uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, but before we get into the discussion of the debacle that was the Cowboys' last game, uh, I, I did want to share one thing. I, one other thing about me that you that you know, I probably shared this before, is I grew up in San Diego. I was always a Cowboy fan. I was a Cowboy fan before I ever moved to San Diego. So I went to like junior high and high school in San Diego. And, uh, you know, the Chargers were there, and they've always been one of those teams where they're like, how can you not like the Chargers? They've never hurt anybody. Mm -hmm. they, they've, they, you know, they, they've, they've usually had fun guys. They've, they've had great offenses from time to time. Um, and um, there's never been anybody who, you know, you, I, I found to be particularly despicable, like the, the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Patriots, or anything like that. They've always been just this kind of like sweet little team that always manages to shoot itself in the foot, even when they were amazing, like when, you know, in the, in the – the heyday of the Ladinian Tomlinson era. So I was thinking about this and I'm thinking, you know, I, almost every team in the NFL, I bear a grudge against somehow, mm -hmm. some way, but not the chargers. I, like, honestly, like I, I, I root for the chargers. If it's not the Cowboys, I see the chargers playing. I'm rooting for them. Mm -hmm. And I, I was thinking to myself, you know, they may be my second favorite NFL team. And so, um, as I was thinking about that in the lead up to this, I was, I was going to ask you, like, do you have a second favorite NFL team? Are you, you know, I mean, obviously we're Cowboy fans first and foremost, and whoever comes in second is a distant second, but is there a second for you? You know, it's, it's just so crazy. And uh, I don't like, you know, like maybe we've had this conversation in Oxnard or something and I just don't remember or something, but, and it's also has to do with maybe where our, you know, our fandoms kind of, derived a little it's pretty similar in, in mm -hmm. time wise you know a little, you a little earlier than me but i my second favorite team is also the chargers and that's uh, crazy it, no it is no it is and i'll i'll tell you why it is is because it's for me it all started like in the early 80s i believe i and i don't know i don't have the, the numbers in front of me but i felt like the cowboys as well as the chargers were always coming up short and as you know Cowboys lost three straight NFC championships when they lost to the Eagles, 49ers, and then Washington. Uh, mm -hmm. And that, that was heartbreaking for us. But the Chargers also, they could not get to the Super Bowl because they were losing in the AFC championship. So there was a stretch where they were just like always losing. So I always felt like there was kind of a connection. I kind of felt, you know, just felt sorry for them. And as you said, like, what have they ever done to anybody? I mean, they, they haven't. I mean, they don't, there's, there's not like a bunch of, they don't have a roster full of people that you've, 
the spies. I thought their helmets were awesome. The dark blue. With the, oh, and the powder jerseys oh. when they came out. Oh, so good. I mean, I just honestly, it just, it, it, I mean, I don't really, I don't have a second favorite team, but it, the Chargers is one of those teams that I just bear no ill will against. And I think that, you know, and now they have my favorite offensive coach. Um, and uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to not, not root for him, to be quite honest. I, I will not be rooting for him. Uh, on Monday night, however, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, no, I totally agree. I, I Chargers, it's Chargers for me. Yeah, it's really interesting how they how they've also managed to have lots of moments, not unlike the Cowboys have had in recent years. Where there's like games they should win, they haven't, they they haven't, they they've you know they've been really good and lost in the playoffs to, inexplicably sometimes to teams that are not as good or they've lost in weird ways, and so it. I, you know, I, I haven't mapped it out like year by year, but there's an awful lot of similarity mm-hmm. in the arc of those two teams from the time you're talking about. You're absolutely right. I felt like the 1981 Super Bowl should have been Cowboys and Chargers instead of yeah, 49ers and Bengals. Um, but speaking of the Niners, I think we're going right. to have to before before we actually look ahead of the Chargers, we are going to have to continue to digest this terrible meal that was uh, served to us on Sunday night football. Um, you know. It, it, people are talking about this as as a real measuring stick. Um, I, I'm 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 on the fence about that a little bit. You know, I think that there's a couple of ways this could go. And uh, so let me just sort of start by start mapping out a couple of pathways, and then I'd love to hear from you about what this might even mean for you. But so if, uh, I'm a, a couple of different examples spring to mind. One is uh, 1992. If you remember 1992, the Cowboys on Monday Night Football in front of a national audience went to Philadelphia and were absolutely humiliated by the Eagles. Uh, and it didn't. And they, they turned the ball over several times late and the Eagles built a big lead and Herschel Walker had several touchdowns and it was just a disaster, right? And it seemed like at the time, oh no, this young Cowboys team isn't ready for the spotlight yet for this, for this level of, of play. Uh, and of course, they bounced back, uh, played really well the rest of the year, beat Philadelphia at home in the middle of the, in, in like week eight uh, in a tough game, and then humiliated Philadelphia in the playoffs. Right. So that's one. That's one possible trajectory. The other one is 2019. Cowboys come out. Kellen Moore, first year's offensive coordinator, lights up the scoreboard, and then there's an unsettling loss to the Jets. And then there's a couple other unsettling losses to teams that, you know, aren't particularly great, or at least, you know, you know, you could see the Cowboys could have beaten. And then it turns out there's a whole season full of really, really kind of awful losses that was, that was capped off by a terrible loss to a vastly inferior Eagles team, uh, like week 16, I think in, in 2019. And that led that, uh, that of course ended up leading to the end of the Jason Garrett era. And it, it makes me wonder if this is the 1992 team or if this is the 2019 team. Obviously, there are many, many pathways in between. Like uh, the 2019 team, those those early offensive explosions turned out to be a mirage. It is the great defensive performance and the huge margins of victory early in this season a mirage and, and not actually going to be the story of the season? Or is this one of those things where... They, they came in overhyped. The game got behind them. The, the game script turned against them. Uh, San Francisco played the best game they're capable of playing. Cowboys played one of the worst games they're capable of playing. And, and that's it. I don't know that we know the answer to that. But I think we're, you know, we're going we're gonna to try to at least get some clarity at, at least as much as we can. So I'd love, to, I'd love to hear a couple things from you. One, thoughts about what this might mean. And then two, I, 
the 49ers were clearly better on Sunday night. Um, are they are they better anytime they play? That's part one. And part two, where are they better? If so, yeah. Well, I'll just you know be honest with you, Rabs. I I felt like that game. I felt like after that game, it just it felt like we got bounced from the playoffs. That's mm-hmm. that's the feeling I had. It was such a kick in the gut, and and I'll tell you why. It, it's not just you know like last week's show. I had us losing to to San Francisco, and I I, I am no I am privy to to how good they are. I, well, I will say this: I, I knew they were good. Now I've since feel like I've learned that they are even better than what uh-huh. I had thought, uh, which is not a, a good thing, um, but. It, it, it kind of works to it's two things for me it's the cowboys are are starting to show more of a pattern of some of the the negative things that we were worried about you know we were all really excited early on because of like all the things that we were hopeful for mm-hmm. the upside we were seeing that and now all the things that we we're worried about we're seeing the, the downside and now to me it starts it starts to fit more into are we are we just are we really good against bad teams and not so good against good teams. And that's that part of the picture is starting to seem like more likely to me. And also, even if we played better to the level this team can play, I don't know that it matters because what we saw, what we witnessed from San Francisco on Sunday, I mean, that team was such a well-oiled machine and just like 11 guys working together and i just felt like we were so far outmatched it's just like mm-hmm. oh, we were just a bunch of individuals all it takes is one guy going the wrong way here and, and you're hosed whereas san francisco was just so you know flawless and in, in, in what they were doing that they weren't flawless but they were just so executed so well so many times and i know it's week five uh, i mean i know it was week five and it's it's early and you know, it does make me feel better when you bring up that Philadelphia game back in 92 when the Cowboys played terrible and then went on to eventually win the Super Bowl. But I'm not, I'm Phil, I'm in a dark place now because I have some real concerns about this team and I don't know necessarily that there's ones that are, can be fixed within this NFL season. Yeah, I do want to talk about, I think, some of those those places that I would imagine that you're feeling areas uh, are the dark areas of concern. Um, but one of the things that struck me that I want to sort of talk about first, if that's okay with you during the game was, you know, the, when we do rabbles roundup, I always talk about the spine mm-hmm. of a team, like a team spines. I really do think, and this is not my idea. I just, I have adopted it because I, I think it's a really interesting and ultimately smart way to look at it at, at a team and the way it's built. And we look at a team spine, we basically go from the owner, who most times is just kind of a figurehead. I, I think the owner does do some things to, to, to establish culture, but I, I don't know. It's mostly just who that person hires. And sometimes that's a matter of luck. Um, but if you think of owner, GM, head coach, offensive coordinator, quarterback, that's the spine. And the thing that struck me was that I think the, I think in terms of, General managers and their ability to bring in talent, if you look at the way that they draft, I think the Cowboys are every bit as good as the 49ers. I don't. I think the 49ers have some advantages, have some talent advantages, but they also have some talent disadvantages. Cowboys were not able to take advantage of those disadvantages. 
um, or those advantages. But um, but I don't see a tremendous amount of difference in terms of the front office and their ability to bring in talent. I, I mean, I you know we can we can argue that, but I I really feel like the talent discrepancy is not a yawning gulf. There may be a couple of areas, and we'll talk about that where where it, there is a, there is a significant one. But I feel like the other parts of the spine are where there is a, a, a very wide gulf. Mm-hmm. I felt like in terms of the head coaching, the way the team was prepared, the way the team knew mm-hmm. everything the Cowboys were going to do um, and how easily guy like guys got schemed open. So the head coach and offensive coordinator for both teams are essentially the same guy, right? I mean, they both have very similar roles and mm-hmm. in, right. in, in functions within that, within that spine. And more than anything, I felt like, their head coach, offensive coordinator hybrid, vastly outperformed our head coach, offensive coordinator hybrid. And I mean, there were guys who were getting open immediately. They were, and 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 you know, we talked earlier about Brock Purdy gets to gets the easy button handed to him a lot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he, he's asked to make some tough throws, but most of the throws he makes are easy throws. And there were so many times when guy a guy would be like, doop doop doop, cut wide open. Mm-hmm. And, and and whether that's them taking advantage of the Cowboys scheme, whether that's the Cowboys playing off, whether that's the, the fact that they're just really, really good receivers in terms of their ability to separate, whatever it is, there were all kinds of times where guys were just like he would just throw him throw to him in space. And he's an accurate quarterback when he's not pressured, et cetera. I mean, we can we can commend him a, a, a lot. He deserves a lot of credit because I think he also also outplayed our quarterback. But to me, the real the real advantage, and it was it was a yawning gulf was in the, the difference between the head coach, offensive coordinator hybrids on both teams. Yeah. Without question. I mean, that's, I don't even know if you can go, if you have to dig a whole lot deeper. I mean, you can point out some other things, you know, and some, you know, this, this Niners won't were better here also better there. But I mean, to me, I think that is such a big thing because I mean, just like you described it, it just, you look at if you just look at the all twenty two and you look at the play design and stuff, it's like it just felt like things were just so much easier for for Purdy than with Prescott and uh, and, and I don't want to sh- to sell Purdy uh, short because he, like you said he did make some really good throws and and, and he makes decisions really he quick does. he processes he fast does. yeah they they were talking about that in the broadcast and spot mm-hmm. on too I mean the guy is just he's really um, in tune with with the offense and what they're trying to do. And so definitely he's earned some respect to me watching this game. I, I, I mean, he's, he's more than just your game managing bus driver type of thing. He's, he's 100%. playing, he's playing well, you know, kudos to him. But at the same time, I tell you what, when I use gets able to run, you know, 15 yards with nobody's even near him and just catch, throw, throw the ball right there with no one around or, or Debo's kind of trailing in the, in the, you see the, how they, alternate the the pacing to where you have guys running here and doing something while another's just try- I mean it's just a, such a stark contrast to what the Cowboys were running and it was just like where are the where are the holes for for Dak to to find I mean what where are the running lanes and you just look at everything that they were doing the blocking schemes it just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was so night and day between the two teams and that's concerning because I mean what's going to get better I, I would rather it be just like it it was just like Dak, just a, a crap game, you know, and he didn't have a great, I mean, he was, he had a bad game, but like, it was just all Dak was just, you know, pissing away every opportunity, but you know, the opportunities were there. And I see, I saw some of those moments last year, but um, 
that's not the case. I don't think mm-hmm. we can point to like, well, Dak's not going to play like this all the time. I think you're looking at a situation to where Cowboys offense, there's some real concerns. And yeah, like you said, the, the, the Shanahan, you know, McCarthy differences, that's huge. And uh, I mean, th- and that's what, those are the things that, that put you over the top come, you know, the second season and the Cowboys, I think have a real disadvantage there. Yeah, no question. And let's be clear. I think Shanahan has that advantage over most yeah, head coaches. Right, right. right. I mean, he's uh, he's in his bag right now. He is. Right. As a head as a head coach in terms of like the arc of his career. And so I think that um, it's not just that the Cowboys have a terrible head coach offensive coordinator. I, I, there's many reasons I, I wish they had a better one. But I think a part of that part of that's really a, or maybe the majority of that is about how good Shanahan is right now. So let's talk about McCarthy's offense because, you know, someone pointed out that the, the last time they had fewer than 200 yards and scored 10 or fewer points was 2003 when uh, in Bill Parcells' first year when the Quincy Carter-led Cowboys went to play the reigning uh, oh, NFC and Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think were shut out something like 12 nothing or 16 nothing or something like that. Um, and they were just shut down. Was, I mean, that was an, an inept performance. It's funny because I didn't feel like this performance was that inept, but it, but it, it really was. I mean, they just... San Francisco is smothering them. And um, so, you, as you said, I think some of the things that, that we were worried about, that we that we were able to – it's not that we excuse them away. I mean, to, let's give ourselves a little bit of credit. I think we recognized that we hadn't seen them, and but we hadn't seen them largely because of game script and game conditions, right? They did, there was a reason why we hadn't seen them go downfield. They didn't need to. They were getting, you know, getting, you know, big leads – every game and then the one game they didn't they had three replacement offensive linemen so i can understand why they play a little closer to the vest and it's possible that they just didn't think that they could go downfield against the 49ers pass rush but um boy that i mean if you can't run and you can't go downfield and your receivers are not getting open and and dak isn't getting some easy throws then every every offensive possession is going to have to be like those ones we saw against the patriots and the jets where there were like 10 play drives 13 play drives. And what are your chances of doing that against the 49ers? I think, I think the answer is none, yeah. right? Almost none. They did it once. They had one drive. And now then that's, an, that's an incredible feat, frankly. So. Yeah. Well, they didn't even get in the red zone, mind you. No, no. Mm-mm. So I guess my question is for you, does this, does this make you feel like, oh, okay. Yep, this is the same offense. These are because the, these are the same problems we've had, right? Dak is, is isn't seeing guys open. He's not trusting his offensive line. He's not trusting his wide receivers. They're having trouble separating. Um, even when even when he gets protection, sometimes he's a little jittery in the pocket. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll tell you one other thing. A couple people have pointed out people I really respect, and I think it's a really interesting point, which is he is no longer relying on or trusting his athleticism when when uh play goes off schedule and we saw that a couple times against both greenlaw and fred warner when he did get out of the pocket like 2017 dac or 2016 dac would have gotten free and gotten a first down 2019 dac would have right pre-injury dac mm-hmm. but there, he's getting run down now i mean granted these linebackers run like yeah deer. yeah but but he's also he doesn't have the explosiveness he used to i mean he used to I, 2016 dac out, outruns one of those guys for a first down. And so there's a, there's a, a part of his game that used to really add value that I don't know that he has anymore. 
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's it's so hard because you look at this and you see a bunch of different things. And I mean, you can list through, you know, with the production. Oh, there's a hundred things. <laughs> yeah. to look at the offense. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm trying to, like, put weight on things and. Because, you know, like Terrence Still was, was getting worked over. And the offensive line, too, they just they, – they, even though it's the first time that they're all together, they, they weren't pushing anybody. They You know, they couldn't they couldn't get the run game going. It wasn't just the, the passing game that could go. It was the run game, too. And, and honestly, I, that, that stat, I hadn't heard that until you brought it up. And that, that is – that's really bad. I mean, that just mm-hmm. – that I mean, to think that, that the offense has not been that bad for – for back into those those dark years, we're in a dark time now. Look, those it's were the twenty years. Those were the dark yep. year, and that was, and th- that just makes me feel even even worse. So so thank you for that. But I just think that there's you know I I think Prescott, you know I don't, I feel like he you know we talk about Brock Purdy's processing. I'm mm-hmm. I'm starting to wonder about what what Dak's doing now and, and the things that he does trust. And you look at the all twenty two guys aren't getting space. They're not moved getting mm-hmm. getting away from guys and. I mean, you mentioned last week that you know the Niners' corners—they're beatable, and these are this is the these are the weak spots that they can take advantage of. Those guys were just like smothering those guys. The, the receivers mm-hmm. couldn't get open. The play designs were just dreadful. Line play was was shoddy at times, and then and Prescott himself just—he just didn't seem like he was really comfortable at any point in the game. And for the Cowboys to just constantly go out there those first four drives and just do absolutely. You know nothing. It it was just, it was very, it was tough. It was like I I don't know. And we have kind of you know there's been some some writing on the wall, even when we've been winning about some of these concerns. Mm-hmm. And now of course we all we, we said you know when we start losing then it's 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 going to be an issue. Well guess what, it's yep. an issue. It's an issue. Yeah. Yep, hundred uh, percent. And and the thing about that is in those other games the defense. Both the defense oftentimes scored more than they gave up, right? Mm-hmm. And so the offense didn't need to be good. This was a game where they did need to be good because the defense did not hold up its end of the bargain. There was a period there from the middle of the second quarter, uh, actually even early in the second quarter, I think all the way through the third quarter, where the, the 49ers had six possessions and scored on five of them and the average nine yards a play. So there was just like, you know, the, the Cowboys, I think, you know, played tough, held it close for a while, and then the floodgates mm-hmm. opened. So my theory on this is, I mean, so if, if you look at that, part of it's like, okay, so, they, so the, the 49ers are playing with a lead. That's the worst game script for the Cowboys. The Cowboys are built to, to have a lead. 
because the best thing about them is their pass rush. I think we can all agree that that's true. The Cowboys are built yes. around they're no longer built around Dak Prescott. They are now built around Micah Parsons. Mm-hmm. He's the best player on the team. He's the catalyst for everything. Everything they do is a supplemental piece to take advantage of, of Parsons' incredible and unique talent. But I feel like they were so afraid of the 49ers' run game that they, that they, they don't want to just rush because I think that they understand the 49ers are very disciplined. They, I think they understand the 49ers are going to – uh, they have a tremendous amount of team speed and they're going to take advantage if you give them running lanes. Mm-hmm. And so the, one of the ways in which the Cowboys give teams running lanes over the last couple of years when they've struggled against the run is by that fierce pass rush, mm-hmm. right? And so the best way to control the Cowboys pass rush is to either run on them or um, get in, you know manageable down, downs and distances or have a running game that they're afraid of that's going to that's gonna cause them to want to try to do a kind of mush rush and I feel like the cow- the Cowboys schematically took themselves out of the game by because they were so afraid of the of the Niners running game that they um, and, and getting gassed in the way they did against the Cardinals right where they gave a boom a big a big a big touchdown to a to a quick little running back that they just they didn't allow themselves to put any meaningful pressure on Brock Purdy I I, I mean he got hit a couple times but like he was clean all all night long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've talked many times about defenses are only as good as the quarterbacks and the offenses they face. And I think that that is very true. You know, this reminds me of like when you have a good young quarterback and you have a good offensive coordinator, it doesn't, your defense suddenly can look ordinary and think of, think back, you know, last year to the Jacksonville game, you know, here's a good, good defense that had been dominating people and Jacksonville just had their way with them, especially in the second half. And, um, I think it's a very similar situation, and frankly, one we may be facing next week with the with the uh, L.A. Chargers as well. I, we do need to move on to the Chargers, but I just want to ask you real quick, and then we can wrap this up. What are you, are you feeling about the impact of the injuries? The other thing about this game is they just beat the snot out of the Cowboys, and three or four guys got hurt. So, so uh, C.J. Goodwin and and maybe Leighton Vanderesh are done for the year. It looks like Kevontae Turpin's done for four to six weeks, maybe longer. I guarantee you Bones Fossil is not happy right now because his two best special teams guys are, right. are no longer able to suit up. Impact of those injuries. What do you, what do you think about I mean, that lasting impact going forward? Well, I mean, obviously the big one for me is, is Van Der Esch. And I've, we are always, we were already concerned about them being, you know, lean at that position and not just lean in numbers, but lean in size too, because the players that they rely on to play linebacker, are on smaller size, like with the Marquise Bell and and some of those great safeties that uh, were were not on display on on Sunday. But um, so that concerns me. Uh, you know, I think that's the biggest one for me. The other guys too. I will say this: C.J. Goodwin is kind of like I've almost been like, where is where has he been? But then lo and behold, he comes out and makes a great play in this game. So it's like right after he makes a great play. Then now he's out for the year, and, and and of course, you can say the same for Turpin, who who made he's he's made a couple good plays prior to this game, but then he makes one of the most the the, the, the Cowboys' best play of the game when Dak threw a perfect pass and a perfect mm-hmm. uh, perfect catch by Turpin too. The only highlight really of the game, and then, and then now we're going to be without him as well. So I don't know. My the only thing I will have to say about that I, I feel less worried about Goodwin because I feel like. Between the guys they have, they can find 
answers there. Um, and uh, Turpin, I'm a little worried because what little we did see of like the players that came in and replaced him, it's like both of them seemed very uncomfortable. It's like I think Vaughn had a bobble, Rico had a bobble or something, double catch, and I mean, so I'm concerned. I mean that that's a big part. You you need to have somebody who's returning punts that's going to be reliable. So, um, but uh, but the biggest one for me is Van Der Esch and. Uh, I, I don't know because I mean we talk about sometimes how he's maybe not the that great but at the same time too uh, he you're gonna miss him when he's gone and it's it's gonna put a lot on Demone Clark and the Cowboys have released all their young developing depth guys that they had so I mean I don't know now we're gonna be looking for like Malik Jefferson um, mm-hmm. and I don't know what's going on with uh, Rashan Rashan Evans, Rashan Evans. Is, yeah so mm-hmm. but so we'll have to see. Uh, so, yeah, it's concerning. It's not only do you get smoked, but then you lose some key players to injury. Yeah, you know, I, I think going into the season, I thought, oh, yeah, the Cowboys really have a really interesting, dynamic, athletic pair of linebackers. And then after seeing the 49ers last week, I was like, no, no, they don't. Yeah. No, nope. no. Nope. That's that. That's what that looks like. That's yeah. what that looks yeah. like. Okay, right. never mind. Um, Listen, so we, we need to move on. Let's, you know... I don't know if anyone's in the mood to get too hyped about this upcoming game. It's I think it's going to be another tough one. And I, I'm re- I think the interesting thing for me is really going to be like, how does this team respond? Like, how does this team respond to this game where, I mean, they, I think they put everything psychologically into it and they just absolutely got their, you know, every, whatever you want to call it handed to them. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I'm interested to see. Like we're gonna we're gonna see how tough this team is, how much of a how much of a, a handle on the locker room this this coaching staff has, right. et cetera. Because you know, some people say this looks like Green Bay in two thousand um whatever it was, two thousand ten. Right. You know, when, when Wade Phillips that was a sort of you know, ended the Wade Phillips era. And I don't know if that's true, but um if, if they if they don't respond, I mean then then things could go south. Yeah, I wanna I wanna say real quick raps too, since you brought that up. Uh, you know, when two, when things were not going well in 2020, it was the locker room was not in, in a good spot. There was a mm-hmm. lot of strife between coaching and players and stuff. And now we're seeing a little bit of glimpses of saying that some, some of our stars frustrated. So that is concerning. And one of the things that, and I know Garrett's gone and, you know, forever gone, uh, but th- these are the moments where you did appreciate of having a coach like Garrett because I do think that he does, he's able to handle these moments of adversity well um so this i i agree with you i'm very interested to see how magic mike is going to do in these um these moments yeah and magic mike the offensive uh, coordinator is going to have to come up oh, big as well geez. so there's a, there's a lot on his plate um speaking of magical offensive coordinators um i think you know we should we should transfer our uh, our focus here from the debacle that was yes. one primetime game to hopefully another primetime oh. game that won't that won't be a, a double up on that and that's the game against the Chargers. What I want to focus on here in Rabbles Roundup. It's time for Rabbles Roundup. Is uh, a, a couple things. Um, so. What do you know so far about their quarterback, Justin Herbert? What, what, what are your impressions of Justin Herbert? I like Herbert. I mean, he's a U of O guy, so I didn't like him in college. Uh, uh, <laughs> right, but, of course. No, good player. I, I was When he coming out of the draft, he was the guy that I circled. It's always like the second or third quarterback that really turns out to be the guy a lot of times in my 
and he was that guy to me. I th- I figured he was going to be the, the star of that draft. I like the way he handles the, the pocket. I think he checks off a lot of boxes when you talk about arm strength and the way he does process. Uh, I thought uh, um, the Chargers were lucky to have him. I think he comes mm-hmm. into a situation where there's some good weapons on that team already. Um, and I, I, I think Herbert's a great quarterback. I, I, he, to me, he's he's makes my top five uh, for sure. So good quarterback. I mean, certainly, like if you could, like do you know, if you played build a quarterback, yeah, and, you know, you sort of built tools and you had unlimited, you know, let's say you had unlimited resources to play build a quarterback, you'd build someone that looked a lot like Justin right. Herbert, right? So I think he's a sort of prototype physically, all the, and in terms of arm talent, etc. Um, he's, you know, he's one of the highest graded quarterbacks over the first three seasons in, in, in NFL since the early 2000s, since they started really, uh, including this, um, you know, we got Mahomes and Burrow and Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan, but then you've also got Justin Herbert. So, you know, it's a really, really hard position for a young guy to play. And the fact that he's come in and played it as well as some of these other guys who are either arguably the greatest, you know, of their generation or, you know, were just unusually good early in their careers. So I think he's had, he's had a really strong early career. And one of the areas in which he's particularly strong is he doesn't make a lot of turnover worthy plays. He is actually number one among all quarterbacks since 2006 in terms of the lowest percentage of turnover worthy plays. Huh. better than Tom Brady, better than Aaron Rodgers, wow. better than Joe Burrow, et cetera. And better than guys like Tyrod Taylor and Alex Smith, who were game managers right. who didn't have that kind of arm talent, but the, the, the reason they stayed in the league is they didn't turn the ball over. He's better than any of them. Wow. Um, and, uh, and so it, it's going to be really hard for the Cowboys to turn him over. If you remember in, in the, the game they played in 21, I guess it was, it was uh, when they went into LA and played them, right. um, Trevon Diggs got an early pick against him. And I, I don't think we quite realized just how unusual that was, but here's the other thing that's really, it's that, that comes with that. For a guy who has such prototype talent, you'd think he'd also be making a lot of big plays. He's not. He actually plays much like a game manager. In terms of big-time throw percentage, again, since thir- since 2006, he's actually tied for 59th. So he's, 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 he's the guys around him in terms of big-time throw percentage since then, Davis Mills, Trevor Simeon, Mike Glennon, Jeez. Taylor Heineke. I mean, so he is not creating those explosive plays, those big time throws in the passing offense. So this is actually one of the reasons I think the Chargers have struggled so much is, is he's got all the tools. He doesn't turn the ball over. I mean, he's got everything you want, except he's not driving the ball downfield. He's not making those big tight window throws. He's not, he's not Aaron Rodgers. who doesn't turn over and also makes big plays. He does everything except make big plays. And so I think that more than anything is why Kellen Moore was brought in. Kellen Moore was brought in to help scheme bigger plays. So there's some things that are, that are, that are people are saying that they're seeing uh, in the charges. I saw if, if, for those of you who are interested, uh, our, our, our dear friend, Brian Baldinger, who does the, the sort of weekly Baldy break, Baldy's breakdowns, really good film study has one in, uh, recently in which he's looking at, at what, Brandon Herbert and the offense of the Chargers is di- is doing differently uh, under Kellen Moore. And he points out a couple of things. He says there's a commitment to a tough running game. Austin Eckler is coming back this game. So we, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, I think. Um, tough runner. Um, they're using here uh, Brent, Justin Herbert a little bit more in the run game. 
but and they're they're noticeably better and more creative in the red zone. Hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and then the last thing is he's doing a better job of getting guys schemed open for intermediate and downfield throws, especially Keenan Allen. It looks like Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen really have a great vibe and Kellen Moore's doing a lot to 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 um to get those guys on the same page. So I think that, you know, the, the the Chargers have had the same GM for like 11 years now. Tom Tedesco. They've had they've had, they have a defensive head coach. When you have a defensive head coach, you need an, a really innovative offensive coordinator because that, that your head coach is not going to be that guy. I think they found that guy in, in Kellen Moore. Um, so it's going to be a really interesting test. And, I, and you know, Kellen Moore is going to want to lay it on the Cowboys. Absolutely. So I, he's going to be he's going to be in his bag. So just to, before before we before we transition into phantoms five i just wanted to kind of point out that in recent drafts cow uh, the, the chargers and cowboys have also been very similarly positioned in many of them so there's a lot of times where you know like are we going to take Rashawn slater right, oh right. no michael parsons falls to us oh they get Rashawn slater are we going to take joey bosa no 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 we're going to take uh, ezekiel elliott because joey bosa goes to the chargers so there's been a lot of times where the cowboys and, and chargers have had similar derwin james seasons. Is that another one? Derwin? and derwin james another another one yeah we were talking a lot about derwin james and no nope, uh, we went vanderish and they got james so uh those things all happen because those teams are they tend to be year on year positioned within the same sort of band in the draft so um, they have some really, they have some really good talent. They, they got Keenan Allen. They, we talked about Herbert. They got Rashawn Slater, who we just talked about. Austin Eckler, really tough little running back. Um, a defense. They have, they have a really interesting player at almost every level. They got Joey Bosa. Khalil Mack has come to them, and he's been really helping the pass rush. Uh, Derwin James, and of course, um, Asante Samuel Jr., one of their cornerbacks, who. You know, again, people thought maybe they're gonna, the Cowboys are going to draft him instead of Bossman Fat. Right. I don't think he. I don't think he was a good fit for their scheme. That's why they didn't pick him. But again, one of those conversations in the second round right. of the what was it, the 2021 draft, mm-hmm. where we were wondering, is it is it going to be? You know, like we need a corner. We didn't get a corner in the first round. Is it going to be? Is it going to be Samuel? No. Then they went in a different direction. So, um, really interesting kind of parallel stories. You know, we started our conversation by talking about the parallel stories from the from the late 70s, early 80s. And I mean, and, that, and that's reflected in, in the talent acquisition. I think that the Cowboys are a, are a more talented roster, especially in positions, you know, like 15 to 25. But, you know, the, the, the injuries that we just talked about have sapped some of that talent. So it's going to be, um, this is not going to be an easy game for the Cowboys. Right. And not going to be easy at all. So um, I think let, let's, let's close out this conversation as we get ready to look forward to the Chargers with phantoms five it's time for the phantom five so uh what's the first point of order that you have to share with us my friend so this one is the obvious one and this is titled kellen me softly (laughs) and obviously you know this this is a big revenge game for Kellen Moore. We know we know the history and everything, what's going on, and and Cowboys fans were kind of on the fence. Some people, a lot of people, kind of grown sour of Kellen, but I think that happens when you just every time we fall short, we're always, you know, we want some type of change. And and, and this mm-hmm. offseason, it was you know to move on from Kellen Moore and whatever. But he's he's a really good coach, and now he's on a really good, he's running a really good. Uh, Chargers offense, you know, they're seventh in points, they're fifth in yards, and as you mentioned, mm-hmm. they are fifth in red zone percentage, which is that that's something that matters to you. 
and it should. I mean, he's just, he's fitting in really nicely. And I think that I am very concerned that you're going to see a very, very destructive display of offense from the Chargers. And I mean, we know the Cowboys, they just got lit up for 42. And I don't know that things are going to get much easier when it comes to that side of the ball. I'm very really concerned. I mean, obviously, Kellen knows this team very well. He knows the weak spots. I mean, you talk about, look at uh, what Shanahan did in, in attacking. He knew, like, he knew all our weak players, and he went after them. He, yeah, Kellen. Yes. Kellen even more Mercilessly. so. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Kellen's going to even, you know, he, he's going to do that e- even more. So that's the biggest thing to me on this is is – Kellen Moore is going to just come out and have a, a huge revenge game. So very concerned about that. Um, moving on to the next one, uh, something that might get kind of swept under the rug is the, the fact that they are getting their star player, uh, Austin Eckler, back. Uh, mm-hmm. He was there for the, the, in week one, and the Chargers had 233 rushing yards. And Eckler ran for like 7.3 yards per carry. He did suffer an ankle injury. And if you look at the, the, the Chargers over the next uh, three games, they relied on Joshua Kelly. And in those three games, I mean, he did, Kelly did not have as many yards as Eckler had in the first game in, in those three games combined, and he averaged just 2.8 yards per carry. So having Eckler back is going to be huge for them. And here's the thing, you know, we didn't talk about this, but uh, we were both thinking about it. And, and the Cowboys' defense, they over-defended Christian McCafferty. And I'll tell you what, yep. they did a good job with stopping Christian McCaffrey. But they paid mm-hmm. the price because the fallout of that is Purdy just lit him up elsewhere. And they, they really just they overcommitted to that. And I feel like this is going to be another situation. And Anybody who plays fantasy football, if you have one of the top two picks, you either have McCaffrey on your team or you have Austin Eckler because those two guys are the most dynamic running backs in the league, in my opinion. And now you're going to face a situation where this guy's coming back and he's going to be a part of this. And if they're going to have to commit to stop him or else he gets in space, it's going to be a problem. And if they if they do, then you have Herbert that's going to light you up. So, I mean, it's very concerning to me. I mean, I feel like it's almost kind of like a repeat from a defensive standpoint. It's almost like they got to have another shot at this because I feel like it's very similar in the ways that the offense can attack you. So, very concerned about that. Yeah, I think that that's really good. Um Boy, yeah, you've got me. You got me scared for this game now. What's the third point? Well, this is the part that hope, hopefully gets better, and I call it "air or I'll yell." Uh, <laughs> a little play on play on words with Don. Air Coriel, yeah. I feel like Dak absolutely has to throw the ball downfield. I mean, Coriel, Don Coriel was famous in the late seventies, early eighties with when he was he drove the ball down the field and constantly looking downfield for big passing plays. Cowboys are not doing that. They haven't been doing it under McCarthy. They face a Chargers team that averages, they allow 300 passing yards per game. It's the absolute worst in the NFL. This is it. This is your opportunity to to attack. If there ever is a team, this has got to be it. Not only that, the Chargers just ended up, just recently traded away J.C. Jackson back to the Patriots, the team that drafted mm-hmm. them. So he's out of town. And you mentioned the Sante Samuel, so he's still there, but they're relying on Michael Davis to handle that mm-hmm. other outside corner responsibilities. And, and Davis is, has not been good this year. He's been he's given up 286 yards, completion rate 71.9%, five penalties already, and 138 passer rating. So if there is a weak spot, there it is. 
Cowboys have to attack it. So Dak, please do not play it safe. Do not throw short. You gotta attack downfield. So I'm hoping to see that because if if it doesn't happen here, then there's some serious problems I think with this offense. Do you think that they'll be able to go downfield against those defensive ends? I mean, that they feel that they feel like they can let those plays develop against that pass rush. Well, it's funny you mention that because my number four item is called a little time to operate. And, you know, you talked already about, you know, Prescott seemed like a little skittish and, you know, like he's, he, he's kind of quick to bail out and, and wasn't sure what to do. And that's why a lot of times you saw him, you know, just throwing straight over the, the middle for the running back that wasn't even ready for the ball. Um, you know, and I think that the, the, uh, the Cowboys had all their guys back, but it, they didn't play great last week. But now you you go in there and you face another. I mean the the Chargers defense isn't great, but they have some good pass rushing players. You know, with the other Bosa brother, you know Joey's. The, he'll be playing this week, and then they also got mm. Khalil Mack back to back Bosa. Back to back Bosa, and then they have Khalil Mack who's coming off a six sack game against the Raiders. Yep. So there's some threats there, and I worry about Terrence Steele. I worry about Tyron, and I worry about the line as a whole because I'll tell you what. If that's a problem, you know, the Chargers do have a respectable run defense. If the Cowboys' ground game gets grounded and Prescott isn't afforded time to operate, I mean, this could end up being another dink and dunk fest, and that will leave us very unsatisfied. Uh, I just don't know that I can, and I don't know that Cowboys Nation can uh, take another week, much less another month, uh, of, of this dink and dunk offense. So, yeah, I think that... Boy, I, I just want visions of 2021 again. Remember how explosive that offense was and how yeah. how they how they went downfield? And honestly, the offense has not been the same since Amari Cooper left. No. And I think we I think it's time to acknowledge that. Uh, and on that sobering note, what's the final Phantom Five? Well, number five. The last one is I just wanted to draw attention to the fact that this is the fourth straight season of the Cowboys are playing at the lustrous SoFi Stadium. So this one's called SoFi So Good. Um, so you may remember they opened the first game ever there. They played against the Rams. The Cowboys did not win that one. It was that uh, Michael Gallup offensive pass interference on Jalen Ramsey. We all remember yep. bogus call, whatever. Lost that one. But since, they're, since then, they have won two straight. They beat the Chargers, as you mentioned, you know, a couple years ago. That was that uh, Greg Zerline had to hit a 56-yarder mm-hmm. to – as time expired to win it. And then, of course, they smoked the Rams, maybe not on the scoreboard because it was close, but, it, I mean, that game just felt like it was dominated by the Cowboys. And, uh, and so far again, so it's like, here we go again. It's it's almost like the Cowboys' second home. Um, so I would love for them to make it three in a row. But, Rabs, as we're fixing to leave here, give me your final prediction here. What, give me a final score. Well, I think one thing is that the, the, the Cowboys' pass rush – is is not going to be passive again. I think that the I think the Cowboys pass rush uh, is going to be fierce like it was in in games against New England and and the Jets and even the and the Giants. So I think that I think that they're going to bounce back. Um that said, I think all that's going to do is keep the score lower, but that I'm 
I'm in the same mode now, my friend, as I was last year, which was I'm going to continue to pick against the Cowboys until they show me they can generate explosives in the passing game. Because the key to winning, it doesn't matter how good your defense is, doesn't ultimately matter how good your pass rush is, especially if game script situations don't allow you to take advantage of the thing that, that you do best. I Until the, this offense can do the things you just said, air it out and protect the quarterback, I'm going to pick against them because you you just can't win that way in the NFL unless you're playing the bottom feeders and your defense is scoring cheap touchdowns. So uh, let's say Chargers 26 to 17, and by God, I hope I'm wrong. Well, geez, uh, I'm disappointed in you, Rab, that you would you would have the Cowboys losing two straight after basically, you know, having their butts handed to them and this needing to come out and have a statement game. Um, I can't, I can't believe you would even think that. Uh, however, having said that, uh, you agree with me, don't you? Uh, it's <laughs> my, mine's not going to be better. In fact, it's going to be considerably worse. The Cowboys are getting blown out here. The Cowboys are done with They, they are going to reach a, a rock bottom. I, I not, they are not done. They are going to fall further. It, I have the Cowboys losing 38 to 20. I think at first it's a little back and forth. Cowboys end up kicking field goals where the Chargers are scoring touchdowns. I, I think I have always stood on this hill. Kellen Moore is the better play caller of the two. I think this after this game, people, I mean, they are already, but I think people are going to be, the tortures are coming for McCarthy or Dak Prescott. And it may be one, I mean, I'm not, I'm not putting everything on McCarthy. Maybe Prescott just really struggles in this offense, but I think, Cowboys have some real problems. I, I think more, you know, he's really going to come out there, and I do think they have some some offensive talent, and it's going to be really hard to stop. And the Cowboys, they're just kind of they're 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 have they have some turmoil right now. They have some things they got to work out. They're not going to suddenly get it all figured out and come back after last week and 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 have it all together. They, it's going to it's going to take more. I'm not saying this is the the beginning of the end, but I'm saying that the Cowboys have problems. The the Chargers are going to exploit them it's going to they're going to bring them down to 500 and, and then we'll see what happens after that but i'm calling a, a blowout 38 20 chargers you know when you said that it reminds me a lot of that sequence in 2017 after they lost zeke to suspension where they got blown out against the eventual champions world champion eagles and then the following week they were still reeling from that and they got wiped off the face of the earth by the chargers and so uh in some ways what you're saying is that they're going to do the same thing they're going to lose to the eventual super bowl champion and not recover psychologically and get wiped out by the Chargers, so that we'll see. Yeah. It'll be interesting. To, it'll be interesting to, to watch. Interesting, quote unquote, to watch. Yeah. I will add that it, it doesn't mean that I'm thinking that this team, you know, put a fork in them. I think that there's there's still time, and there's you know there's still they have an opportunity to show us that they're better. Um, mm-hmm. But I do mm-hmm. think that 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 this is a bad time to be facing Kellen Moore and what they're going through. And and oh my God, the narratives! If 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 Moore hangs forty on them or something, yeah. and the narratives. Oh my! And if the if the if the offense looks explosive and, and McCarthy's offense looks more abundant again, my God, man, the narratives. Right. Well, as Patrick Swayze, as Dalton said from Roadhouse, you know, it it's going to get worse before it gets better, and that's what I have going down on Monday night. But. That is all we have for our show today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review, wherever you get your podcast. Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think. Anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast, 
listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, matchups in the games that you're looking for, or, you know, when's the last time you've had a real-life mic drop moment, let us know. You can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at DannyVanham24. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver blue. We will catch you later. Last dismissed. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.